Happy Palm Sunday. Yeah, all right. Palm Sunday is a day where we talk about an entire city that gets whipped into this frenzy of celebration, kind of like Monday night. All right, that was so good. I loved it. Like Jason said, we were watching it here on the front row of the varsity, and then we were out on Franklin Street. Uh, but the party didn't add is that we also um, used the fire escape to get up on the roof of the varsity. And uh, we were up there chanting, the ceiling is the roof. It was great. <laughs> we're kind of proud of that. It was a great celebration. We were chanting that until the police shouted at us and said to come down now unless we want to go to jail. The ground is the floor. All right. <laughs> that was great. All right. But today is Palm Sunday, and um, it is the, the, the culmination point of this journey that we've been on through Lent. This is the moment where we enter into the last frame of the story. All right, we're entering into this, this last scene in the great drama of the life of Jesus, and it begins today. This turning point begins today. It's the first day of Holy Week. And so this launches us into Holy Week. We're headed towards Good Friday on Friday where we will celebrate and mourn the tragedy and the triumph of Jesus's death on the cross. Good Friday. We're going to celebrate that as a community. We're having a Good Friday worship service um, in the Forest Theater outside. We've been doing that for several years since maybe since one year after we started meeting as a church and we've been inviting these other churches in to join us to make this a community event. So we'd love to have you be there and to, to celebrate and to mourn with us at the same time. Good Friday. Then it leads us into Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday, this day where the disciples are silent. Where everything that they had hoped for in Jesus seems like it has been crushed by the cross. And when they witness that, they go into hiding and there's this just silence and the pain of that silence on Holy Saturday. But then that opens up into the victory of Easter Sunday. And we're going to celebrate that here next Sunday. Can't wait for that. So this is Holy Week. And it begins right here in this moment of, of Palm Sunday. So for almost 40 days, we've been on this Lent journey where Jesus calls us to turn our eyes towards the cross and to begin to focus on the cross and make this journey with him to, towards Jerusalem where he will lay down his life on the cross. Several weeks ago, we talked about Jesus's challenge to us where he gives us this disorienting challenge. And this challenge that shakes us awake of where he says, if you want to follow after me, then you have to be willing to lay down your life and take up the cross. It's this counterintuitive way of the kingdom. Lay down your life and take up the cross. And any who lose their life for me will find it, he says. And then he moves us on into the story where he says, anyone who will come after me has to take on my yoke. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come and follow me. Be yoked to me. And in being yoked to him, we actually experience freedom in that as we come into alignment with his heart and the desires of our heart become matched up and aligned with the desires of his heart. And we delight ourselves in being yoked in discipleship with him. And he continues this counterintuitive 
journey with what we talked about last week when he says anyone who wants to be great in the kingdom of God must become a servant. Once again, in the kingdom of God, the way up is actually down. He says that's what it looks like to become great. You have to become a servant. And now he continues in this as we enter into this last scene. This is where it begins, this catalytic event that leads us into the climax of the story. It sets the climax of the story into motion. And this is the beginning of the end as we enter into this last scene and this last act of the drama of Jesus's life. Read with me Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Matthew 21, 1 through 11, the triumphal entry. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there and her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. This is the prophet Zechariah from chapter 9, verse 9. Here's what it says. So the da- say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees. These would be palm branches, and in the other Gospels it specifies that, which is why this is called Palm Sunday. They cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus, help us today as we dive into this story Help us to see here what you've placed here for us to see. I pray that for each person today that you would just be busy and at work and applying this to our hearts exactly where we need to hear it. Show us the places in our lives where we need to be responding to what you're saying today. Even things that might not be on our mind at all right now. Things that we're intentionally blocking out, even without realizing that we're blocking them out. I pray that you would get past all of those barriers and just pinpoint in our hearts exactly the places where we need to respond. Whether that's in surrender or whatever it is that you're asking us to do. Help us just to be open to it and to respond today. We love your word. We love it. We love to read it. We love to study it. We love to understand it. But we want to live in response to it. That's our prayer. That's, that's at the root of it for us. We want to be shaped by it. Not just to know it. Not just to understand it and quote it. We want to be shaped by it. We want to be changed and transformed by it. So we ask you to do that today. In your name we pray.
Amen. So here's what we're going to do, okay? This is our normal pattern of, of how we do this. We're just going to walk through piece by piece and, and unpack this passage together and see exactly what it is challenging us with, okay? So we're going to start right at the beginning uh, with this plan that Jesus has where he says to his disciples, he picks two of them and he says, go and find this donkey that's tied up. All right, every time I say donkey, I think of Shrek, all right? And I try not to say it in that accent, donkey, all right? <laughs> now you're going to only hear that the rest of the day, okay? Uh, but he sends them to find this donkey and to untie it and to bring it back, right? And you know they loved being on donkey duty. They're like, really? This is what I get to do, go untie this donkey and bring it back. Okay, so they go and, um, and he says, if anybody asks you anything, just tell them, that the Lord needs them, and it's going to totally be okay. Let me just tell you, don't try to use this in everyday life, all right? Unless Jesus specifically tells you to do that, don't try to pull this one. It's not like a Jedi mind trick that you can use, all right? The Lord needs them, all right? (laughs) No, you're going to have to pay for that, sir, all right? The Lord needs them. Go and they and they do it. Now, this is a part of the story that at first it seems really insignificant. Okay, like it's just kind of setting up the story and where it's getting ready to go next. But as I've thought about this this throughout the week, it just keeps hitting me that I think this is saying something specifically to us and, and where we are today. Okay, one of the things I find really interesting about this is that clearly the disciples were not in on this plan before this moment. Right. Jesus informs them of exactly what to do and begins to inform them of the plan because before this, they had no clue about it. Clearly, the plan was already in place. Right. Clearly, Jesus had already set this up. He knew what he was going to do. He knew what was about to happen. The groundwork had already been laid behind the scenes. The disciples just didn't know it yet. And they weren't informed of it until the moment came for the plans to start to unfold and to start to move into action. You need to know that this is the way that God is working in your life right now. For some of you, God is working in your life in this specific way right now. There are plans that are being made, groundwork that is being laid behind the scenes that you don't have any clue about right now. He hasn't informed you yet because it's not time yet. But when the time comes, he will tell you and he will give you specific instructions and you will not be able to miss it. It will be clear. Right now you feel like you're completely in the dark and you don't know what to do next. But I'm I'm challenging you, submit to the process. Submit to the process, live in this continual obedience and openness to the leading of the spirit in your life, and he will give you the instructions for what to do next, even down to the specifics of go to this place and untie this donkey. Why? I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. That's how he's moving in your life. So right now you might be frustrated or you might be afraid about what's coming next. Be patient, submit yourself to the process, and understand that he knows exactly what needs to happen, and he's already moving. He's already laying the groundwork behind the scenes, and you'll know when you need to know. 
You will know when you need to know. He has a plan. It's not your job to tweak the strategy. It's not your job to hurry up the timeline. It's your job to submit to the process. And that's what he asks of us. Submit to the process. So as it continues on, here's the next really important thing that we need to know. Hey, Sarah, good to see you. Yeah, glad to see you. Um, Here's the next thing that we need to know about this. The setting. Okay, the setting. You've heard us say this over and over again. But anytime in literature, uh, when you see setting, setting is always important to a story. Okay, one of the things that we keep saying over and over, and it helps us not only in in understanding literature, but in understanding scripture and, and the different scriptures that we come across is this. Setting is like another character in the story. Okay, it doesn't have any dialogue, but it always has a lot to say. So you need to lean into what the setting is and what, what, what we're being told through this. Specifically here, we need to ask the question of when and where this is taking place. First of all, when? Passover. Okay, we're told that this is happening during the festival of Passover. And second, we're told that this is about to unfold in Jerusalem. That Jesus goes into the heart of Jerusalem at the time of Passover when this triumphal entry is happening. This is important for a couple of reasons, okay? Number one, Passover was this time when people came to Jerusalem, where pilgrims came to Jerusalem for, from all over. And if you lived within a certain distance of Jerusalem, then you were required by the law uh, as a Jewish person to be in Jerusalem for the Passover, Okay, and even people who weren't required by the law because they lived further than that, many of them would make the pilgrimage anyway and be there. So this is a time where the city is full of people there to celebrate Passover. And as we remember the history of Passover for the Jewish people, it goes all the way back to the time of Moses, where the Jewish people had been in slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years. But God raises up Moses as this leader to bring deliverance to his people. And through the ten plagues that God sends against Pharaoh in Egypt, he breaks the kingdom of Egypt and their grip on his people. They are set free from slavery, and they always remember this annually, year after year. They come back together to celebrate and to remember we were slaves, but our God set us free. Our God made a way for us, and he broke us out of that. He opened up the sea to lead us into freedom our God saved us we were slaves that was our history that was going to be our future until God interrupted and broke in yeah from when to when yeah from Moses to yeah uh, who knows that how many years from Moses to the time of Jesus thousands of years yeah yeah. <laughs> All right. Anybody know that offhand? Okay, I'll look that up. Somebody Google it and let me know. All right. Ben's not here today, is he? Okay. Ben is our resident New Testament scholar. All right, I'll check that out. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, so, so that's what's happening in the minds of, their, of the people. They're thinking about this history of Moses and the way that God had used Moses to set them free. At the same time, it's happening in Jerusalem. Okay, so the fact that it's happening in Jerusalem adds another layer to their history. Okay, because Jerusalem was the city of the kings. 
Jerusalem is the place that not only was home of the temple of God, but it's also the home to the throne, okay? And so David had established Jerusalem as the capital city of the kingdom of Israel and the place of the throne. It became the city of the kings. And so in their mind, as they're celebrating this Passover, the way God had delivered them from slavery through Moses, they're also thinking about their surrounding of being in Jerusalem and remembering their great king, David. And in both of these cases, they remember a promise that God had made to the people. Number one, he promised that in the future, I will send you another prophet. I will raise up another prophet like Moses to deliver you. And he also made them the promise in the future, I will send you another king in the line of David and with the heart of David to rule forever on my throne. These are the thoughts running through their mind. This is the layer of memory that is active in this moment. So as they see Jesus starting to come into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, fulfilling this prophecy from Zechariah. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, riding on a donkey. All of this comes together for them. And you can sense that fever pitch of patriotism and of spiritual depth and and, and all of this combining in once, colliding together in this imagery of Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey they're remembering this promise on top of that the the pathway that jesus uses in this we're told he comes from bethpage and bethany down the mount of olives across the kidron valley and into the city of jerusalem this is also known as the roman military road into jerusalem so here we've got this processional of victory coming into jerusalem the same path that the Roman military would use coming back 